a good start envisions the end result bryce harper podcast thank you for joining episode two going on right now Um, last week i just gave you a little glimpse as best as i concisely do of when i was called to right now so if you haven't checked that out make sure to check that out i want to take this episode episode two of my podcast, A Good Start Envisions, the end result of going through my sermon notes from this past Sunday. We started a series focused on being thankful and thanksgiving as we are in November approaching um, a wonderful holiday. And and I'm in Luke chapter 11, and I always love um, preaching and teaching God's Word, and I also really enjoy review. Monday and Tuesday, even the message I had just spent a lot of time working on and preaching, I'll go back over and just read through my notes again, read through the story, read through the principles and the things that I had just taught on. And unfortunately, I I believe in the times that we're living in, there's so much content, so much information, so many things to learn and to glean from. A lot of times we are really, really in a hurry um, to go to what's next. And I don't think we do ourselves um, and, the, and the things that we read and listen to justice when we simply go through it really, really quickly. So I'm simply going to go through Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and some of my principles and notes and main points from my message. And so even if this review for you, just know I do this for myself personally, just to Never take lightly what God has spoke to me, to you, to us. And anytime we can open up the Bible, we can read the Bible, we can review the Bible, and look at the principles that we can gain. Um, no matter how many times we do a particular passage or if we've heard a particular passage before preached over and over again, there's always an opportunity by the Holy Spirit to glean something, to gain something that we've never seen before or heard before. So I'm in the New Living Translation, Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. Verse 11 says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And number one, um, thank God for doing more than enough. Um, Galilee represents where Jesus did a lot of amazing miracles, and Samaria really represented a place where God was very much criticized, or Jesus was very much criticized um, as he was being seen and exalted as the Messiah and the Son of God. Samaria just really was a group of people, a company of people, a region of people who just did not receive that, receive that receive who Jesus was proclaiming he was and what other people were were proclaiming who he was. And immediately from this verse, I see that Jesus is not afraid to walk that fine line between where he celebrated and where he is criticized. And I want to encourage you that Jesus, God, is not afraid to walk the fine line of your life where you celebrate him and where you're very suspicious of him or critical or questioning or doubtful. Um, Jesus is enough. Um, Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is everything. Jesus is sufficient. And 
although um, we see Galilee as a place where he is greatly celebrated, we also see Jesus not being fearful or worried or anxious about going to places where he is criticized. And Jesus is in pursuit of you more than you are in pursuit of him. And I am thankful of that tremendously. For as long as I live, I'm thankful that we serve a we serve a God that pursues us more than we pursue pursue Him, and there is just so much to gain from that. Um, one of the things I want to share with you too, before we go on to the next verse, is um, God doesn't just answer our questions, or our criticism, or our critiques, but He answers us as critics and as questionnaires. And so God always looks beyond just our questions and looks inwardly to who we are. And God just desires a really, really intimate relationship with us. Not just to give us principles to live by, but to be king, friend, companion in our life. And so I'm thankful, thankful for that. Uh, verse 12, as he entered a village there, 10 men with their leprosy stood at a distance. Point number two would simply be thank God by staying humble. Um, we know the Levitical law and setup was for people with leprosy or skin disease to basically quarantine themselves or stay at a distance and to shout unclean. Um, even though these 10 lepers saw Jesus, as we will see, as master, as much more than just another prophet, but they saw him as the Son of God, the Messiah, they still very much stayed humble in their approach to God. They still honored the process that was in place for them. And I really believe if you want to have a true heart of thanks uh, of thanksgiving of being thankful being grateful um, that all starts at a place of being humble uh, and having humility and I really believe that if you are humble you're thankful um, and then when you're thankful um, you're grateful and you're happy um, I don't really see um, people who are arrogant being very thankful and a lot of times, because of that, they're honestly not very happy. And so it all comes back to this stance of, I am going to continue to have a humble approach um, towards God. And because of that, I am incredibly thankful. And that allows me to be also very much happy and um, living with an ability of joy that really doesn't come by any other way of being humble, thankful, and happy. Verse 13, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They were told to only say unclean when they were in public and around certain people. And here they are saying not that and saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There's something to be said about calling out to Jesus as Master and for him to have mercy on you. Even in the midst of a terrible situation. And I'm encouraged to see these lepers calling out to Jesus as master right in the middle of their pain, their discomfort, their isolation. And whatever your situation is, don't allow your situation to be an indictment or to restrain 
your pursuit of God and your self-declaration of God's lordship and authority over your life. So no matter what's going on in your marriage, your finances, your children, your grandchildren, your business, whatever the case may be that has a lot of, a lot of tension, um, a family member passing away, um, whatever your, your mental health status, your emotional status, your socioeconomic status, don't allow those things to restrain your approach to God, your perception of God as master. Um, do not allow those things to um, distort God's lordship and his authority. Um, even in the midst of this, these lepers are calling out to Jesus as master, have mercy upon us. And then in verse 14, Jesus looked on the, looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed from their leprosy. It's interesting to see that all they asked, the lepers, all they asked for was for mercy. They declared Jesus as master, have mercy on us. Jesus replies, go show yourself to the priest. Seems a little bit I, I don't, I'm very intrigued of, was there, you know, they were a long ways away. Did they hear each other correctly? Why is Jesus saying that when they said this? The truth be told, whatever God says, we just do it. We may have asked a particular request towards God, a very specific thing, and then we feel God telling us to do something else. And we may be thinking, Does, is God even listening? Does he even really care does he have his own things above me? Why is he telling me to do this when I'm simply asking him for this? And um, in these moments, we have to trust God. We have to believe in God and who he is and that he has best intentions for us. And just at the end of the day, just simply do what he says. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Um, a reference point for this is Luke 8. Chapter 8, verse 19 through 21. Then Jesus' mother and brothers come to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. Um, so all this ties into the third point. Thank God by obeying his guidance. Two more points. Um, so again, the third point, thank God by obeying his guidance. Whatever he says, just do it. Follow through with it. Obey it. Verse 15 in Luke chapter 17, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Uh, before he even did everything that God told Jesus told him to do, um, he receives healing. These lepers receive healing even before they are showing themselves to the priests as Jesus commanded them to. And it's just really, really amazing to see Jesus healing them, um, upholding his promise and his generosity and his power and his mercy, even though him holding up his promise of all those things, even though the lepers didn't even complete everything that he had just asked them to do. And so even in the midst of your obedience, not complete obedience, not perfect obedience, but right in the middle of you obeying what God tells you to do, 
God shows us that he is faithful to fulfill his end, even when we haven't even completed um, to the full measure of what he has asked of us. And really the the most important thing we can do, verse 16, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Eucharisteo is where we get that word, thanking him for what he has done. This man was a Samaritan. And so point number four, thank God by responding immediately. Don't wait um, for the next social media post or where you have a great picture and you can add your caption to it or next conference or next, you know, um, gathering with some friends over coffee, dinner, lunch, next men's event, women's event, whatever. Don't wait. Thank God immediately. Thank him right in your home, in your office. Whenever God does something amazing for you, um, significant for you, thank him immediately. Take a moment, set everything aside, and say, God, thank you. Thank you for intervening. Thank you for being merciful. Thank you for upholding your end of the deal, your promise to me, even though I haven't even done everything that you have asked of me. Um, so thank God. Thank God immediately. The Bible, The Bible is clear to show us that um, this man was a Samaritan. Again, from Samaria, this man was a critic or or of a group of people from a region who was very critical of and suspicious of Jesus. And um, not only did he have a leprosy of his flesh, but he had a leprosy of his heart. There was a numbness that that was a symptom of leprosy on his physical body, but there was also a numbness of his heart towards who Jesus was and who he was claiming to be. Verse 17, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. This is very, very interesting. Your faith, your faith has healed you. That word healed there is the same word we see in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. The Bible says, and she will have a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That word save there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, is the exact same word we see in Luke 17, verse 19, of your faith has healed. So healed and save, those two words are actually the same Greek word. And so the word healed is actually being drawn from and used from that word save in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And so he had already received his healing physically, even though the Bible says your faith has healed you. What Jesus was really saying is your faith has saved you. Your faith, you responding to what I said um, is what has saved you, is what has healed your heart. Um and this led me to, uh, brought to my remembrance, a story I read in one of my books, um, uh, a Ravi Zacharias book that I had read um, a while back. And where a, he, he makes mention of a minister who was meeting with a woman in his fellowship. She was needing prayer for her daughter. Her daughter had a skin disease that kept her from feeling things. She was numb, and so she could not feel on her skin. Um, and 
and it was causing all kind of issues for her. And so the minister was meeting with the mother of this daughter and, and of course, makes the, you know, presents to her and asks her, you know, what can I do as your minister, you know, to pray for you, to be here, support, to help? And the mother's request to the minister was, can you pray that my daughter would feel pain? And of course, the minister was a little taken back. And if you're a minister or a pastor or or just a human being, and you, that's not something you pray for. You. It's not something you ask for your children or your loved ones or people you care about. I want them to feel pain. So he's a little taken back by that. And, you know, he begins to kind of ask her, you know, why, why would I want to, why, why do we need to do that? And of course the mother went on to describe, you know, that because she could, she couldn't, her daughter couldn't feel pain. She wasn't able to know whether or not she was engaging in something that was harming her to the point where it was very dangerous if she was doing something and she had no idea she was really, really harming herself to a very, very um, critical degree um, to be able to know to stop or to back away, you know, burning yourself or cutting yourself or, or whatever. Um, and so, um, which is just so fascinating to think about also how, leprosy was a symptom of that again was not being able to feel and I just have this notion um, growing up in this society that we're we're living in now the things that we're seeing um, that there is just this the enemy is trying to do whatever he can to numb our heart our feelings towards God to the supernatural to to his love um and with that comes maybe this utopia feeling of, you know what, um, I don't want to necessarily believe in God because I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to feel the ramifications of quote unquote sin. And so I would much rather be numb to all this God stuff. That way I don't have to feel the pain of sin or regret or repentance and things like that. And that's really just the work of the enemy to try to numb us, our heart, our mind to the things of God. Um, but the grand scheme of things we know in life in general, and as well we'll see in some more passages before we close this episode, is that pain isn't always just some awful, terrible thing. That pain is just a part of life. Pain is a part of developing. Pain is a part of growing. Pain is an indicator of growth or are you needing to change some things or make adjustments. And um, I mean, if you're into sports or athletics and you're working out, um, you don't simply quit or give up just because things become difficult or painful. Um, but you know all those things are allowing you opportunity to grow and to develop and become better. Second Corinthians 4 helps us navigate some of this. Second um, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. 
We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Verse 15, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. And the church said, Amen. Yet they produce for us a glory. Those troubles are small and won't last long, and they will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So, verse 18, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Also, one more passage in the last point, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, Lord, has done for us. You know, for me, I want to share just a few more verses from Romans. But in, in reading all this and going through all this, you know, even if you live a perfect life and you do everything right, I mean everything, that life is still difficult. Life still is challenging. And um, I just believe there for us, for myself and for you listening, there needs to be a stance and a standard that, okay, I know life is going to be difficult. It's going to have challenges. There are going to be trials. There are going to be troubles. There's going to be um, division and there's going to be these things that are tense and very trying. So I'm going to go ahead and just dig my heels and set my roots and just have this standard that I'm going to, in the midst of all that, I am determined I'm going to be everything that God has called me to be. I'm not going to be surprised when life throws difficult difficulties at me or challenging things at me or painful things at me. I'm going I'm not going to allow those things to restrain God's lordship and authority uh, over and in my life. And I'm just determined I'm going to be everything that God has called me to be. And so some so some like self-declaration statements I wrote down for myself was, you know, from the from the very, very just fundamental existence of my life. You know, if it's truly about just me and God, I'm going to start right there. And I'm going to simply be exactly who God has called Bryce Harper to be. I'm going to be that and nothing more, nothing less. I'm going to be exactly who he's called me to be. I'm going to be confident in that. 
I want to be joyful in that. I'm not going to be apologetic in that. I'm not going to be obnoxious in that, but I'm just going to be very confident in who God's called me to be. And I encourage you to do that as well. Who has God called you to be? Who has he created you to be? Who he who has he appointed you to be? What kind of giftings has he given you? Be confident in that, that God has orchestrated all of that. I think a step further from that is, you know what, I'm going to be, you know, the best spouse I can possibly be. You know, I'm going to be the greatest husband, the greatest wife that has ever lived. Why not live with that kind of mantra? Um, why not live with that kind of motto of I'm going to be the best? You know, from that, I know I can be an absolutely amazing, great father to my children or mother to my children, grandfather, grandmother to my grandchildren. Um, and I'm going to be the best of that. I'm going to be the best father that I can possibly be. And then, of course, for me and my assignment here, I'm going to be the greatest pastor that has ever lived. I mean, why not want to just do that? Uh, and I know that's very far-fetched because, I mean, that is, I am so far um, from so many amazing men and women of God who have, who have taken on the title of pastor and just done phenomenal things earth-changing work for the kingdom of God. Um, But those things shouldn't deter me. They shouldn't discourage me, but they should um, excite me and they should inspire me to be the very, very absolute best that God has called me to be. And so don't let the fact that maybe there is somebody out there who is doing it and has done it and will do it better than you, you make up in your mind, I'm going to be the best. I'm absolutely going to be the best in my workplace, the job that I have, the employees I have, or the, the employee I am myself or the employer I am. I'm going to be the best that there ever is. I want everybody who's working for me to say um, my boss or my coworker, they are the best boss or coworker, supervisor, manager to ever live. They're, they are the best. They are amazing. Um, don't allow your circumstance, your situation, like these 10 lepers, to deter, restrain, um, but call out to God of his lordship and authority. Let's read Romans 5 real quickly before we close on our last point. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too. Verse 3 of Romans chapter 5. So amazing. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Last point, thank God for the problems because they will not lead to disappointment. You got problems, you got trials, you got very, very tense things going on in your life. Know this. That through God and thanking God, leaning on God and calling out to God for his lordship and authority, those problems will not lead or end in disappointment. 
So thank God for doing more than enough, staying humble, obeying his guidance, responding immediately, and even thank God for the problems in life because they will not lead to disappointment. Thank you so much for listening in on episode two of A Good Start and Visions and Result, the Bryce Harper podcast. Hope it's been a blessing to you. And, um, and again, thank you. And always remember, a good start envisions the end result.